0: This episode contains difficult and explicit conversation, including references to paedophilia, infanticide and acts of extreme violence. Though this isn't the focus of the episode, it does come up in conversation as part of a wider discussion around obsessive thoughts associated with OCD. Listener discretion is advised, so please only listen if it feels safe for you. Hi, and welcome back to another episode of Open Mind Self-Care Sessions with me, Frankie Bridge. Today's episode is about obsessive-compulsive disorder, though most of us will probably normally shorten it to OCD. I'm joined by psychiatrist and author David Veal. Hi, David. Hi. (laughs) Thank you so much for coming on. This has been a really popular subject. I have found, whilst doing the rest of my podcast before I started self-care sessions a lot of people would ask me to cover the subject of OCD do you feel like it is something that isn't spoken about as much as maybe like depression and anxiety
1: Yeah, I think there's often a lot of shame around OCD and there's often a a lot of misconceptions as well. You know, often people say I'm a bit OCD or uh, something, but, you know, you can't be a bit OCD. It's something that is very distressing and very often interfering and handicapping in your life. And so it's a significant problem for at least about 1% of the population or so. And so it's a hidden problem often.
0: That was actually something that came up a lot is that people found it frustrating that so many people will flippantly say, oh, I'm a bit OCD. And you said you can't be a bit OCD. And someone said, is there a spectrum of OCD?
1: Yeah. Well, I think sometimes people get confused with an obsessive compulsive personality. Yeah. So someone with an obsessive compulsive personality is going to be very meticulous, very conscientious, very tidy, perhaps a little bit rigid, moralistic, things like this, a perfectionist, things like that. And that's not the same as obsessive-compulsive disorder, yeah, which is very much an anxiety disorder, driven by these obsessions.
0: And would you say it does normally come with something like depression and anxiety? Are they normally quite linked?
1: Well, most... About a third of people with OCD also have depression, but it's very much secondary problem. In other right. words, people will say, "If I didn't have the OCD, I wouldn't be depressed." Yeah.
0: Oh, okay. So you would say it's normally the cause of the yeah. depression, rather yeah. than OCD is a bystander of depression.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, there are exceptions, but in mm. gen- in general, it's very much driven by the OCD.
0: And how about autism? Because that came up a lot.
1: Yeah. Well, there are many people with autism who have OCD as well. It's often a certain type of OCD. So particularly in terms of repeating actions, having to do things so that they're just so, wanting order, having to do things to feel comfortable in various ways. And so it's a little bit more... A slightly different approach is required, but it's still recognised to be on, you know, part of autistic spectrum.
0: And what would you say then, if you were explain it, explaining it in simple terms, <laughs> what's the difference between someone with OCD and then someone who's just really particular?
1: Well, someone is really particular is probably just more to do with their temperament, their personality in some way, wanting to be tidy or have things just so. But OCD is really a mental disorder characterized by obsessions, compulsions and usually avoidance behavior. So an obsession in the world of OCD is very different. It's a very distressing, persistent, intrusive thought Image, urge, or sensation that just pops into your head, or, or perhaps triggered by an object or something, and they're very difficult to control or get rid of. And so it might be a, a sensation of your hands being contaminated by a germ or something, it could be an urge to have some object placed at a particular place or pattern, it could be be a doubt about whether you just run over a cyclist or that perhaps you could be a paedophile, an image of stabbing your baby. And they're just not, in other words, they're not just simple worries about real life problems. They're usually about having a sense of what, not wanting to harm others or yourself in some way, or wanting to avoid a feeling of disgust or feeling not just right. Yeah. So it's a very different sort of uh, problem. And of course, if you've got those obsessions, you then have also have these compulsions, which you have to do repeatedly. And sometimes it can be observed by others. So, for example, you might see someone checking that a door is locked or repeatedly washing their hands or something. Well, very often it's it's not actually observable. It's just something, a, a mental act that you have to do over and over again in your mind. It might be saying a special phrase in the belief that it could be preventing someone from dying or something, but usually it's all seeking a lot of reassurance, having to repeat actions, do mental compulsions, yeah? And otherwise, it could be also a lot of avoidance behaviour. So, for example, if you've got fears of contamination, you might be avoiding touching toilet seats or dustbins and door handles and wash taps or contact with animals or humans, all sorts of things, or just... Let Say you've got that fear of stabbing your baby, you might be wanting to avoid knives or always have somebody with you because you you know you don't have the confidence to think that because you've got this thought that you might stab your baby and so on so mm. it's a very different proposition compared to you know just feeling a bit o c d
0: you brought up there about um being worried about germs being on your hands, and that came up a lot, yeah. people saying that they have contamination o c d And how to deal with that in the middle of a pandemic,
1: which is all about
0: germs and a virus.
1: I know. This has been a really bad time for people with OCD during COVID. For some people, it's actually become the main preoccupation, yeah, in terms of whether they're spreading COVID to other people or getting COVID in some way. And so it's just become the flavour of their OCD, whereas in the past it was around HIV or something else. Mm otherwise it's you know everybody is really suffering at the moment and so of course the loneliness and losing your job all these sorts of stresses just makes your ocd worse anyway some people it was a boon to begin with you know you could be shut off and everybody else was washing their hands and things like that so it's a complicated picture but i think we're going to get a lot more OCD problems over the next year or so because it's just sort of triggered lots of things off
0: well, do you think that would be a big thing for children who are growing up in in this time or do you think they'd be more less prone to it because they know no different
1: we, well children and adolescents have had a really tough time we know that it's been a lot worse for them mm. we honestly don't know yet I mean I don't want to be one of the, uh, such individuals who are just sort of doom mongering and mm. that uh, <laughs> you know uh, there are a lot of people who are very resilient and we want to encourage that but at the same time there are also a lot of people who are very vulnerable and it's just going to make them worse yeah. so i just don't know what the story is going to be in the long term in terms of the effect of covid on mental health and it's going to have an impact but we just don't know the full story yet yeah
0: yeah a lot of people have asked if it ever goes away or does it always mm. just turn into a new OCD, <laughs> if that makes yeah,
1: sense. Yeah, yeah. The pattern of OCD varies. So there are some people who have an episode in their life when they have it and they deal with it and it goes away. For other people, it may come back at times of stress or times of responsibility. So, you know, things like the postnatal period, prenatal period is a time of stress and responsibility. So that's another trigger of such. For others, Uh, uh, less fortunate it can be a more chronic problem. So there's lots of different patterns of of OCD.
0: Okay, so I suppose it depends on maybe the cause of your OCD and the reason why you have it or not?
1: Well, we don't really know the cause of OCD at the moment. You see, we can say that, well, part of the problem is being human in the sense that we have a tricky brain. And, you know, if you were born a zebra or a crocodile or something, you wouldn't have OCD. It's just that the design of our brain is very difficult in the sense that, you know, we do still have an old brain, which we've evolved from reptiles and mammals and so on. It's very much designed to uh, keep us safe and for threats and things. But equally, being human, we've got a new brain, which is very much... You know, the big, the great things about it is being very creative and going to the moon and so on. But equally, we can imagine things and all sorts of things that activate our old brain and threat system. So part of the problem is being human. Part of the problem is heritability, genes. Most emotional problems have got probably at least 40% or so are heritable. And, you know, you can blame your parents and they can blame their parents all the <laughs> way back to Adam and Eve. But yeah. it's not that helpful. <laughs> Um, it doesn't mean you're going to get OCD or an emotional problem if you have the genes. It just means you're more predisposed to it in the same way, you you know, there are genes for leukaemia and so on. And right. there's, there's stuff that happens particularly early years, early life experiences and during adolescence and uh, teasing and bullying, all sorts of stuff that's not your fault that can make it happen. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And how would you support someone then with OCD?
1: Well, I think the first thing to say is it's not your fault. Yeah, it's a common problem. It's about one to one and a half percent of the population have OCD. It's nothing to be ashamed of. And, you know, some of the things I just described in terms, you didn't choose to have OCD. But the key message always is it is treatable. It's hard work, but it can be overcome. Yeah there are two main treatments the first of these is cognitive behavior therapy for OCD and it needs to be specific for OCD not some sort of generic thing yeah Yeah. and and it needs to have a good understanding of what the problem is the way that you have a worry problem and that you put too much importance on these intrusive thoughts and urges and the way you respond to them it's you know the message is always it's your solutions and the way that you avoid and the way that you check and the way that you and so on is the problem and it just makes Your doubts and everything worse. Mm
0: -hmm. So
1: it's definitely treatable and trying to help you to test out your fears and enable you to learn how to tolerate them and prove to yourself that the bad stuff doesn't happen and that you can bear the anxiety is the solution. And, you know, it is definitely treatable, but it's tough, it's hard work.
0: David, for anyone listening, can you just clarify what CBT means and explain? what it is, how it works.
1: Yeah. So CBT in the world of therapy is cognitive behaviour therapy. So cognitive to do with the way you're thinking and behaviour to do with the way you're acting. So by changing the way you think and act, you can change the way you feel and improve the quality of your life. So in OCD, it's all about trying to help you to get a better understanding of what the problem is, And recognizing that this is a worry problem and anxiety disorder. It's not about being a pedophile. It's not about being contaminated and things like that. And recognizing that your solutions of the way that you do these compulsions and checking and, and avoidance on is the problem. And that by trying to help you to resist these particular urges and doing what we call the exposure and facing up to your fears and testing out your expectations, you can overcome your OCD.
0: So you would say that that is one of the
1: yeah. I mean, both treatments. Well, uh, we're always trying to improve it, but Mm. at least two thirds, seventy percent of people will make improvements on it. Yeah? yeah. The other main treatment are SSRI medications, things like fluoxetine and citalopram and so on, which are probably equally effective, but they usually tend to work only whilst you take them and they may need to be taken in the longer term. And so sometimes you combine it with a therapy with people with more severe problems.
0: OK, so that's like an antidepressant.
1: It's it? an antidepressant. But the problem is the word there, antidepressant, because, <laughs> because actually, you know, the truth is, is that they're pretty weak as antidepressants. They're mm. much better at reducing anxiety.
0: Yeah, that's true. And how do you know then if someone needs help? At what point do you kind of go, all oh, right, this is, this is an issue we need to do something about this?
1: Well, most people know that they need to change, but Mm. uh, it may be shame or it may be all sorts of obstacles that are preventing people from seeking help. But usually when it's sufficiently distressing or interfering in your life, then that's the time that you want to do something about it. I think the problem often is, is that it takes a long time sometimes for people to seek help. And yes. so often it may develop during adolescence or earlier in childhood. And these patterns of thinking and behaving are then there for maybe up to ten years or so before that person has got help. And so it's really better to get in there early, because yeah. you can then you know you can then stop these patterns of thinking and behaving. But it's it's tough.
0: Someone asked what ERP therapy is. Do you know what that is?
1: Yes. So so cognitive behaviour therapy must include some aspect of what we call exposure and response prevention, okay? okay. So exposure means facing up to your fears and learning to tolerate your anxiety and testing out your expectations, yeah? Mm -hmm. Whereas RP stands for response prevention. That's just a grand name for preventing yourself doing your rituals, Okay. so learning how to uh, let's suppose you've got a a, a compulsion with washing, uh, learning how to resist that urge and recontaminating yourself by touching the toilet seat or whatever it is and transferring it to your face or whatever instead of washing.
0: Right. Okay. So it's a bit like expo- like exposing yourself to it and then having to yeah withstand it. I suppose
1: With, it is Learn to tolerate that you can bear it and and you know mm-hmm. that, that it's not the end of the world and that it that you know that, that you're testing out your expectations.
0: Lots of people sent me different name. Um,
1: yeah, I, I think, wouldn't
0: know how to know how to word to it. Um, all different things, and I and I don't know whether these are. I don't know whether they're real things. We're going to ask you and then yeah. you tell me whether these are versions of OCD. So I got a lot of people say, saying the word pure O oh, yes, real yes. event O. Is that an American thing or is that?
1: No, pure O is something Oc- the OCD community uses for okay. people who have obsessions without physical compulsions. Yeah. So in other words, it's all happening in the head. in terms of what we call mental compulsions and mental ways of coping. And another word might be ruminating a lot. Yeah. So ruminating and puro is very difficult because it's like going down a rabbit hole. And rabbit holes are really there for rabbits. They're not for dogs or other things. (laughs) Because if you go down a rabbit hole, you get very lost and it's dark and horrible and very difficult to get out of. So some people you know, may spend hours and hours trying to work things out in their head in terms of whether they, you know, could be gay or whether they are in in the matrix in some parallel world or something. They're trying to solve non-existent problems. (laughs) Right.
0: So there's no, like, outward compulsions. It's more thoughts. Right.
1: So there's no outward checking or washing and uh, ordering things. It's all done in your head. Yes.
0: Because someone someone asked if, if obsessive thoughts can be OCD without compulsion. So that is a form of OCD.
1: Yes. But you see, very often people are still doing compulsions in their head. They're doing right. what we call neutralizing or trying to undo things in a magical way in their head. And so they're still responding to it and trying to suppress them or control them and things like that. So it gets a little bit more complicated when it's all mm-hmm. done in the head. <laughs> yeah. But but it's still compulsions and stuff in your head.
0: And then people have said false memory OCD and relationship OCD.
1: OK, so relationship OCD is a sort of new one because it's right. it's more on the bounds of normality. Let's suppose you started a new relationship and you're trying to think, is this the person for me? Is this the right person? And it's all the same thing to, as, as in other aspects of OCD because it's all about doubts and wanting certainty, yeah?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And wanting to know that it feels just right. <laughs> but, of right. course, the more you obsess and try to get things just right around it, the more it creates more doubts. Yeah.
0: So it's just kind of other versions of OCD but being more particular about their...
1: Yeah, so what there are people about. who describe themselves as having P-OCD for paedophile OCD or H-OCD mm-hmm. for homosexual OCD. Okay. and So so there are all these little subgroups of communities with their own particular thing. And so yep. it is quite varied and diverse, the different range. But actually, at the it's end of the day, OCD. it's all OCD.
0: And saying, as false memory OCD, would that be that they've not well, made something up, but they think something happened?
1: Yeah, they might have... Um, they think that perhaps they've committed a murder or run someone over. Right. Yeah? And, of course, such individuals are the most non-violent, sweetest people ever. <laughs> and, but they still become convinced that they might have done something like this, so they're going back to check and look on videos and camcorders and this, that and the other or constantly recording themselves to check whether, in fact, they did <laughs> what it is they think they might have done.
0: Mm, It must be so stressful.
1: Well, absolutely, And, and that process of the checking and seeking reassurance and avoiding, as you said, is actually the things that cause more stress. It just goes around in a vicious circle.
0: And if you're someone that suffers with OCD, what would you say is the easiest way to explain it to somebody who doesn't understand?
1: Well, I think the key thing is not to be rational. (laughs) <laughs> mm-hmm. because the person with OCD and others know it's not rational, but it still doesn't feel right or it feels extremely comfortable. I mean, sometimes it's easier to think of it like a phobia, particularly things like contamination OCD. Other people would describe it more like as the doubting disease, that you're having constant mm-hmm. doubts and you're wanting certainty and guarantees, which, of course, you can't have. There are any two certainties in life death and taxes and (laughs) (laughs) yay
0: (laughs) if you weren't feeling unhappy now you are now um
1: yeah well we can also say that whilst you continue to demand a guarantee that you know that you're not you never were a paedophile you never will be or something you will disturb yourself for the rest of your life you know there are no guarantees and so It's a doubting disease or it's like a phobia. But the key thing always is it's really distressing and really interfering in your life. And it's not something you have any control over.
0: And what would you say? I always say at the end, I always ask, and I know it's really hard sometimes, but what are your top three tips that you could give to listeners that are struggling with OCD?
1: Well, I'd say, A, it's not your fault and that there is treatment available. It is hard work. It's nothing to be ashamed of, and you can overcome it. But, you know, do seek help. There's a lot of help out there. So in the UK, we have a good system now within you can refer yourself to NHS Improving Access to Psychological Treatments or IAP services where there is good help available for treating OCD.
0: Okay, and that would be your tip then to seek help. You would say start with the NHS
1: Definitely. Or see your GP if you want to try the medication. But all these, you know, there is definitely help available. Mm-hmm.
0: I suppose the biggest thing seems that you feel that people feel there's a lot of shame attached to it and maybe embarrassment. And that's the that's always what makes it harder to come forward and ask for help, isn't it?
1: Yeah. And, but the shame is created internally by yourself because you have often a self-critic and someone who is constantly putting you down and telling you what an idiot you are and pull yourself together and things like that. And so, you know, the problem is your own internal bully and shame around it. It's no one else's condemning yourself for these things. I mean, well, sometimes they do, but, you know, they're idiots themselves.
0: So where can our listeners go to find out more information or to seek out help?
1: Um, Well, I'm a trustee of the charity OCD Action. And so this is one of the largest charities helping people with OCD. So it's literally on the website OCD Action.
0: Well, thank you so much, David. I found it so interesting because... My eyes were opened even from people sending their questions and their worries. You know, like I said, I'd never heard of all these different versions of OCD. And even myself sometimes, I mean, I have suffered with OCD in the past. And it is hard to explain. And even I don't really understand it, having suffered myself. So it's been really interesting. I think you'll have really helped so many people. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Open Mind Self-Care Sessions. I really do hope that this has been helpful to you. And if you've been affected by this episode or would like to find out any more information regarding mental health, please head over to mind.org.uk. If you've got any questions which you'd like to get answered, please follow me on Instagram and look out for my stories where I collect all of your fantastic thoughts for each episode. So that's all from me for now. So look after yourself.